When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. We are officially less than two weeks from Christmas. I'm headed to my family's home out of state later this week to celebrate the holidays a little earlier with them, and it just seems like I've been frantically decorating and shopping baking, wrapping presents, sewing last-minute gifts, and, you know, of course, trying to keep up with all of my favorite Christmas activities. And in all that rushing, I feel like I got a little lost in the importance of the season and haven't really been able to appreciate it and soak it in as much as I would have liked to so far. So I really was feeling like I needed to slow down, reset and just kind of center myself again. And one of the ways I do that is through sewing. So we all know that sewing is a stress reliever and it's so cathartic. Um, So we need sewing more than ever when things get busy. So I came up with the idea of doing a 12 days of Christmas sewing activity for myself to make the most of these last few weeks of the holiday season. And I thought I'd share it with you all in case you're also yearning for something like this. So starting today, December 13th, there are 12 days before Christmas Day. So I'm starting this today and I'm ending it Christmas Eve. So I'm going to be sharing my personal 12 days of Christmas sewing activities, um, which you can copy if you'd like, but you can also use it to spark your own ideas for your own 12 days of sewing. So mine will be centered on one sewing activity a day paired with a fun Christmas activity. And some are just quick and easy, um, and some days I'm making longer commitments, but I just know that getting in my sewing room even if it's just for a little bit each day, and using that to clear my head, get some me time, and enjoy something Christmassy will make the next few weeks merry and bright. So here we go, December 13th, day one. I'm going to finish my last handmade gift of the year while watching the movie White Christmas. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm headed to my family's house later this week, and I still have to bind and label a quilt for my dad. So I'm turning on my favorite Christmas movie, which is White Christmas, and I'm just going to sit watching it while I bind the quilt, and since it's a movie I've seen many times, I don't have to worry about missing parts of it while I'm binding. And the quilt I'm working on has a flannel backing, so it's going to be extra cozy. December 14th. Day two. I'm going to bake cookies and finish a few blocks in a granny square quilt I'm working on. The best part of baking is that once things are in the oven, you have time to yourself 
And it's not tons of time, you know, maybe just 10 to 15 minute lengths of time between batches of cookies. Um, so it's a good way to get a little sewing time done between, you know, your batches. Some favorite cookies that we have in our family are sugar cookies, spritz cookies, and peanut butter blossoms. Uh, basically any cookie with a lot of butter, you know. <laughs> um, and I just like the smell of cookies wafting through the house while they're baking. And I'm sure I will grab a few warm ones to bring back to my sewing room. December 15th, day three. Organize my scrap bin and listen to Christmas music. After months of frantic sewing, my scrap pile has grown and needs to be organized. So I like to cut my fabric scraps into strips and then organize by color. So I'll just work through my fabric piles and do that while I'm listening to some festive music. I like traditional carols and music um, because it just brings such a feeling of nostalgia for me um, and lots of memories of playing Christmas albums on our record player growing up. And um, so I found a Spotify list that I love. So if you have Spotify, you can search for classic Christmas songs and it should pop up. Um, and then the music should hopefully make this kind of mundane sorting and cutting task a little more exciting. December 16th, day four. Make handmade gift takes and light a holiday candle. So I'm not really one to be fancy with my gift wrapping, um, but I do enjoy making gift takes because they're so easy. I just take a two and a half inch square of fabric. Sometimes I buy many charm packs of holiday fabrics or sometimes I just cut some squares from my stash. And then I add a one and a half inch square of cardstock centered on top of the fabric square. And you can stitch them together using your sewing machine, like a zigzag or maybe a decorative stitch would be really nice. But honestly, I just staple mine together <laughs> um, so that I don't have to worry about my needle blunting when I'm sewing through the paper. And it's just a really fast and fun project and it helps personalize my gifts a little. Um, as for candles, I am obsessed with evergreen candles. I could burn them all year if I wanted to, but I usually save them for winter, so it's a really special treat to burn one. December 17th, day five. Pack up a few projects to take to my parents' house while sipping hot chocolate. So because I'm headed out of town, I want to make sure I can keep sewing while I'm gone. So luckily my mom is a sewer too, so she will lend me all of the big stuff like the sewing machine, cutting mat, iron, and I just need to bring some projects and a few of my favorite tools. So I have a hand piecing project to bring to work on, um, and this will be great for when I'm still wanting to engage with family and friends, but you know, still do a little sewing. And I'm also bringing along fabrics to make Christmas pillows and the granny square project I mentioned earlier. Um, as for hot chocolate, I love mine with lots of whipped cream and a chocolate stir stick. So yummy. December 18th, day six. Look back at my year of sewing and stare at the Christmas tree lights. So this day is a travel day for me, so I really didn't want to plan anything too time consuming or tiring but I do like to take time at the end of each year to look back at my year of sewing. 
I don't do it in any official capacity, um, but I may jot down some notes in my journal or planner. So I like to look back at photos of all the projects I made and take a quick count. Um, I'm always amazed at how many projects I finished. It usually doesn't feel like as many as I have made, so it's nice to take account of them. And I also take notes of any blocks or colors I'm using a lot of. I think it's so fun to see how your style changes over the years. And then of course I'll write down a few things I'm proud of. So maybe any new techniques I learned, um, a quilt or two I'm just really proud of or in love with, and any other fun accomplishments. Um, and I think it's a really peaceful activity to do while sitting by the lights of the Christmas tree. So I plan to stay up a little later maybe with a glass of wine, and just enjoy the silence, the lights, and a little reflection time. December 19th, day seven. Hand sewing and a Hallmark movie. My mom and I love Hallmark movies. Uh, we haven't missed one new one this year, and we always call each other after each one to talk about it and kind of compare notes. So I'm very excited to watch one in person with my mom and do a little hand piecing during commercials. December 20th, day eight. Hand sewing and a Christmas puzzle. I love doing puzzles and I found a great quilty Christmas one that has a thousand pieces. So I'm excited to conquer it with some of my family members. Um, the women in my family love to do puzzles and I plan to have my hand piecing project at my side in case I need a little break from the puzzle, but still want to visit with my family while they work on it. So it should be a pretty relaxing day. December 21st, day nine. Sew Christmas pillows while listening to a Christmas audio book. I know I can't use these pillows this year, but I had the fabrics picked out and the idea in my head. So I'm just going to sew them while it's top of mind and have them ready very early for next Christmas. Otherwise, I know I will just put it off and um, put it off until last minute for next year. So I also love listening to audiobooks while I sew. So I downloaded one called The Christmas Bookshop that I am excited to start. December 22nd, day 10. So granny square blocks in my Christmas pajamas. There is just something about staying in your PJs all day that just calls to mind Christmas day as a kid. Um, you know, just that feeling of having nowhere to go, no responsibilities, just cozying up in my, my flannel. So I have my red buffalo plaid pajamas, uh, fuzzy socks, and a soft scrunchie to put my hair up in. I'm just going to sew at my leisure, and maybe I'll even get some more puzzle time or audiobook time in. December 23rd, day 11. Hand sewing and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes, I know I have a lot of movies on my list, but Christmas is the only time of year I watch old favorites. And in our family, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a favorite. And then finally, December 24th, day 12. Goal setting and drinking eggnog. So I like to goal set for my sewing life before January 1st hits, because then I can hit the ground running in the new year. So I write down UFOs I'd like to finish, uh, projects I've been wanting to do, maybe a technique I want to get better at, um, quilt shops or quilt shows I'd love to travel to. Uh, sometimes it's just pure dreaming, 
but I've just found that once your dreams or your goals are down on paper, they're much more likely to get done. And eggnog is a drink I crave only this time of year. Um, I like mine with a little splash of brandy and some uh, a hint of nutmeg. So it's just the perfect end to Christmas Eve. And there you have it. Those are my 12 days of Christmas sewing. Um, nothing too exciting, but to me, it's a great way to end the year and get both my sewing time and my Christmas activities on my calendar. I'd love to see some of the activities you're doing for the holidays, so feel free to email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com or take pictures on Instagram using the hashtag apqpodcast. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're hearing stories of quilters making a difference in their communities and the details of a closet reorganization from our designer. Welcome back. I'm handing the mic over to Allison, the designer of Quilts and More, for Quilting Changes Everything, a segment where we share stories of quilters making a difference in their communities. Take it away, Allison. This first story comes from Lincolnton, North Carolina. Members of the Peacemakers Quilt Guild have been meeting in Lincolnton for over 25 years. They're able to bond over their love of quilting, but also their passion for helping others. Every fall, they make and donate 20 quilts to give to the Lincoln County Child Advocacy Center. One of the unforeseen benefits of the pandemic has been the ability for each member to make more quilts from home. Because of this, they were able to donate comfort quilts to the Hesed House for Hope earlier this year, in addition to their usual contributions. One of the members said, As I make these comfort quilts, I'm thankful for all the goodness in my life compared to others. Each quilter in the group likes making different types of quilts, which adds great variety to their donations. Some enjoy making smaller artistic quilts for premature babies and young children, while others like to make colorful, one-of-a-kind quilts. Our member Fran Love is the one who inspires us with ideas and motivates us to keep sewing so that we can have our 20 quilts for child advocacy each year, said member Paula Spann. The idea is that children in crisis know that someone cares and they can have some comfort with the quilts. A recipient of one of the quilts said it was the nicest thing she'd ever been given. Members of the Peacemakers Quilt Guild have continued sewing throughout the pandemic and have been able to start meeting in person so they can collaborate. They all enjoy the process and are willing to share their knowledge with beginner quilters. This second story comes from Park City, Utah. Savannah Terry is a sophomore at Park City High School and is actively involved in the Girl Scouts. She has been busy sewing medical play dolls that she donates to Primary Children's Hospital. Her goal is to make 500 dolls and has made 300 by the time the school year started this fall. The dolls are designed to teach young hospital patients human anatomy. Savannah received her gold award for this project, which is the highest honor a Girl Scout can achieve. It's equivalent to the Eagle Scout rank in Boy Scouts. Her mentor, Erin Hesser with Westgate Resorts, said, There are a lot of people who know about the Eagle Scout, but don't know about the Gold Award. 
This award, like the Eagle, is recognized by colleges and universities and looks great on resumes. So this project Savannah is doing is a great way to educate the public about the award. Savannah came up with the idea to make dolls after her six-year-old cousin had minor surgery. I saw how scared he was, so I did some research about how to reduce anxiety of kids who are in the hospital, she said. The first thing that came up were medical play dolls. In addition to teaching the kids anatomy, the dolls helped them feel more comfortable during their hospital stay. After Savannah came up with the idea, she contacted Primary Children's Hospital and they said that there was a huge need for the dolls because not many people were making them. They provided her with a pattern and she's been sewing ever since. The dolls are made from donated bed sheets and dyed with coffee to achieve different skin tones. She donates markers along with the dolls so the kids can draw on them. Erin said she first got involved in the project by being a sounding board for Savannah to bounce ideas off of, and as the project evolved, it became a way for Westgate to give back to the community. I knew we had a lot of sheets that we couldn't put on beds anymore, and we had some coffee that we could give Savannah. Erin and Savannah have collaborated on other community projects. She has been a great person to work with, and she's helped me out with everything, said Savannah. Earning the Girl Scout Gold Award has been a longtime goal for Savannah, and through this doll-making project, and many others, she's been able to achieve that goal. It feels amazing to know that I've come this far to achieve what I've wanted since I was little, she said. Working on this project has also inspired me to get involved with other philanthropic projects in the future. Thanks, Allison. And congrats to these people who are taking the time to give back and share their talents to those in need. It's very inspiring. I'm handing the mic back to Allison for Get Organized. About a month ago, Allison was sharing on Instagram her process of cleaning and organizing her sewing supplies in her closet. And I thought our listeners would love to hear more about it. I know I certainly got ideas for my own sewing space. So take it away, Allison. I am fortunate enough to have a dedicated sewing space in my two-bedroom townhouse, but it also serves as a guest room and home office when necessary. Most of my sewing supplies are tucked away in the closet, except for fabric yardage and commonly used notions, such as thread, scissors, and rotary cutters. Usually I have my collapsible table and sewing machine set up in the room, but when I have guests, I'm able to store them in the closet. I've gotten pretty good at tidying things up quickly, all thanks to having an organized closet system. My closet has always been a place to store cutting mats, large rulers, quilt tops, pre-cuts, irons, ironing board, batting, and lesser used notions. Over the years, I've accumulated more things and lost track of what I had stashed in there. After trying to remember where I had placed something, I realized it was probably buried in the closet somewhere, and I decided it was time to take everything out of the closet and reorganize. To start the reorganization process, I pulled everything out of my closet and put it on the floor so I could take inventory. I created piles grouping similar things together. From there, I evaluated the piles determining if I really needed all the things in each category. Some supplies were left over from my college days as an art student that I hadn't touched since. I also had supplies that I picked up from free tables at work that I just never ended up using. Items that were still in good shape went to a donate pile, 
and the rest just went into the trash. I also kept some basic items that I didn't have an immediate use for, but I didn't want to have to rebuy in the future. Once I narrowed down each pile, keeping only what I wanted and needed, I began putting things away. I was already using clear totes to store supplies, so I didn't really need to buy any more. I like using clear totes to store supplies so I can see what's in them at a glance. Plus, I don't have to worry about sunlight affecting things since they're all put behind a closed door. The clear totes are used to store my scraps, notions, pre-cuts, works in progress, and miscellaneous craft supplies. Within some of the bins, I have additional organization. So for example, in my notions bin, I have zippers stored in a bag, binding clips in a jar, and so on. In addition to clear totes, I also purchased hangers that have multiple rungs where I can store my quilt tops and backing fabric. I had previously just folded the quilt tops with their backing and put them in the closet. I ended up finding all sorts of tops that I had forgotten about because they were just randomly put in the closet. Through this organization process, I was able to gather everything together and hang them in the same place. Once I had everything sorted into totes, I needed to decide which items I'd access frequently and which ones I'd use sparingly. Items that I don't use often but didn't want to get rid of went um, in the built-in closet shelf that's higher up. Things like pre-cuts, fusibles, pre-packaged batting, and UFOs are on that shelf because they're not something I'm going to use on a regular basis. In the main closet area that's lower down and easier to access, I keep my scrap bins, ironing supplies, notions, patterns, and works in progress. Even though I use clear storage totes, I wanted to add a layer of organization so that I could and I so I could identify things quicker. I purchased white sticker labels and a permanent marker so I could label each tote. So again, for example, I added labels to my scraps, since, such as warm scraps, cool scraps, etc. This is especially helpful when all the bins look alike and are storing similar materials. I figure there's no such thing as too much organization. It's been a month or so since I reorganized my closet and I can happily say that it has remained tidy. My room was a mess for about a week as I slowly chipped away at organizing, but taking that time was really worth it. I plan on sorting through my closet every few years to do the process all over again because I guarantee that I'll accumulate more things. Thanks for sharing, Allison. I'm just fascinated by how people organize things. So I just love hearing stories like this. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing what our editor is working on and some items for your quilty wish list. Welcome back. Now I'm handing the mic over to Jody, the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, for what's on your workspace. Take it away, Jody. This is Jody Sanders, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I want to share with you what's on my workspace right now. I have a nice stash of embroidered table scarves, pillowcases, and hankies that I've picked up at flea markets and garage sales, estate sales. Some of them are stained or they have some holes, but I was fine with that because my intent was to cut away the bad parts and repurpose them into zipper pouches someday. 
Well, I recently took an online class called Create Your Own Vintage Pincushion from Kelly Klein. And Kelly shows uh, how to take those linens and turn them into one-of-a-kind pincushions. Well, I decided that after taking Kelly's class, I knew I wanted to use some of these linens that I'd been collecting and turn them into pincushions. I recently bought some uh, bags of feed sack scraps and some 1940s prints, and they're perfect for combining with my linens to make the pincushion tops. And right now I've been having a lot of fun sorting through the new scrap bags um, and sorting them into color families. In the class, um, Kelly shares a lots of samples, and she also has an exclusive Facebook group for those um, that have bought the class. And so she's sharing lots of examples, and I've just been soaking up the ideas for adding things like lace and rickrack and buttons and beading. Well, I've been practicing also doing a little machine quilting to the pieced pincushion tops. It's been fun to test out specialty threads and also the decorative stitches on my sewing machine that I usually don't use very often. And they can really add a unique element to the pincushion top. They're a little like potato chips, I have to say. It's hard to make just one. And someday when I actually get them completed, they'll make great gifts for my sewing pals. Thanks, Jody. Those projects definitely sound so fun, and I just love learning how others breathe new life into damaged projects. So now we're moving on to what we're loving, and this is our last gift roundup of the year, so we can just dive right into it. So the first gift item is a seam ripper necklace. So this necklace is a sleek pendant on a 32-inch long chain, and it comes in silver, gold, and rose gold. And the pendant folds out to reveal a little seam ripper. So this would be amazing to wear at a retreat, um, when you're doing handwork, maybe like when you're on the go, or even while you're sitting at your sewing machine so that your seam ripper is always handy for cutting threads. Um, I just love it. It's definitely fashionable and a functional accessory. So next is get to the point needle case. So this is just a little two and a half by four and a fourth inch uh, plastic case that says on the front, get to the point, which is very funny. <laughs> and it has a magnetic insert to hold needles or small pins in place. And the cover securely snaps shut so that you can just throw this case into your sewing bag or your purse without worrying about it dropping needles everywhere. Okay, another handy little on-the-go product is the Bobbin Boat. Um, this is a set of, there's three kind of silicone carriers that transport up to 15 wound bobbins each. So I always complain about how messy my bobbins are. Um, so this, this may be one I need to break down and finally buy like a storage accessory like this to help. What's awesome about the portability of this is that you can just easily carry a bunch of already wound bobbins to a retreat or even wind some in various colors for handwork projects where you may need a lot of different colors of thread. Okay, speaking of retreats, the Totology Carrier is an essential for those who travel with their supplies often. 
So this carrier measures 22 by 28 inches. So it fits a cutting mat. Um, it can do a small pressing mat, larger acrylic rulers, and this like it has one large zippered pocket. And then it has lots of smaller pockets for you to stash patterns, small notions. Um, it even has a place that you could put like a small water bottle or maybe even rolls of supplies like fusible or interfacing. So it really can fit a lot of things and it has a handle to carry it for transportation. So it's only like $36. So if you're traveling often and you are constantly kind of trying to keep track of all your travel supplies, this carrier may be a really useful tool. So if you love to learn, you might want to consider a Craftsy membership. So they always have really great deals on their subscriptions around the holidays. So you might want to check it out, but they have more than 1,500 online classes, including more than um, 450 that are quilting and sewing related. And members receive access to classes taught by top designers. Uh, there's live streaming events, there's downloadable patterns and resources, and a lot more. Um, so check it out. They have good deals going on right now. And um, it would be a great gift to give to someone else too who's just learning or starting um, and they can kind of take classes from some of those great designers out there. Okay, so we talked a few weeks ago about the importance of labeling your quilts. And if you don't like to make your own labels, you can buy a personalized set of fray-free cotton quilt labels from the Ever Emblem website. So they have lots of different designs. They have like attachment methods like sew on or fusible um, and you can customize your text. So they're starting at $16 for 12 labels, but it would be a great investment if you want to start labeling your quilts, but you just do not have the energy to make your own labels. And we're ending the show with the big product, <laughs> the brother CP2160W what a mouthful, <laughs> sewing machine. So this computerized machine comes with 60 built-in stitches, seven machine feet, and the cutest floral embellishment printed on the machine. It's compact, it's lightweight, it's easy to use, um, which I always appreciate with all my machines. Um, and this makes it handy for both beginner sewers and experienced quilt makers who maybe are just looking for a second machine or you know another machine to bring on retreats. And it's sold at Joanne Fabrics and is $170. So it's a good price point for the value. So that's all the products I have to share today. And of course, we'll link to these products in our show notes so that you can add them to your wish list or you know buy them for yourself. I'm not judging. <laughs> And then, of course, before we leave today, I just wanted to give a reminder of the amazing subscription offer we have available only to our podcast listeners. So you can get a year-long subscription to American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine for you, or as a gift for any sewing friends, for only $5.99, which is an incredible offer. So that's six issues of patterns, stories, designer profiles, tips, uh, product reviews, and more. It delivered right to your mailbox. Um, and there's no coupon code necessary. You just have to click the special link that you find in our show notes each week. Um, so of course, buying a subscription 
it's a really easy way to support our staff's work um, so that we can continue to do all this great content for free, like the podcast. Um, so thanks for your consideration. Reach out to me with any questions. Um, I hope you subscribe. We have really great things coming in 2022. Everybody have a great week and I will chat with you soon.